Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Claire from Wild Ginger Running, the trail and ultra running YouTube channel. And this is the podcast version of my weekly live chat with an athlete, coach or other running expert. The link to the original film on YouTube is in the show notes. Check out my Instagram and YouTube channel for more training advice, inspiration and gear reviews. Everything is Wild Ginger Running and my blog is wildgingerrunning.co.uk. Support me on Patreon if you enjoy this free advice at patreon.com slash wildgingerrunning. Enjoy this podcast and see you next week for more. Hello and welcome to another Wild Ginger Running live session. My name is Tim. I'm here in replace of Claire again this week and I'm going to be having a chat through with you guys on post-race recovery. So for those I've not met before, uh, as I say, my name's Tim. I'm a physiotherapist and an endurance coach. So I'm coming in from both the sort of physio side of things as well as the, the coaching side. And if there's any other questions, hello, come along. Uh, welcome uh, to another session. Wild Ginger Running live session. I told you. My I'm name is Tim. This. I'm here sort of in place of Claire oh, again this yeah. week. And I'm going to be having a chat. Sorry, right, bear with, with me on this one. While I'm on post-race recovery. So for those I've not met before, uh, as I say, my name's Tim. I'm a physiotherapist Quit and an endurance coach. So I'm coming in for... Oh, yeah. there was a good start, wasn't it? I had something, I had YouTube up in the background when I was checking out how this link was working. Uh, this is the second time I've done a, a YouTube live for Claire. Um, so there you go. There's my first mistake. Excellent. So let's uh, let's try and start that one again. Uh, maybe Claire can edit this later for when it goes up on, on YouTube for, uh, for later on. So yes, welcome to another Wild Ginger Running session with me, Tim. Um, so yes, I was up racing in Northumberland doing the uh, race to the castle, the Threshold Trail Series race, and sort of pushed myself quite hard and was pretty broken by the end of that race. So chatting with Claire, 
and the idea of maybe talking about post-race recovery and how people can recover. Because I know there's a lot of people who are now getting back into racing again. There's a, a lot of races that are starting to happen as maybe some of our restrictions are easing. And we're trying to cram in as much as possible. We've missed these races. And it's trying to get in as, as many of these events as our bodies can tolerate. But really the question is, how quickly can we then race again? How many of these races can we maybe do in quick succession? And maybe what are some of the strategies that we can put in place so that we don't completely destroy ourselves and you're in my clinic as a physio patient rather than a coaching client? So, yes, yeah, so we had this um, one question come in from, uh, I think it was Stephanie, um, saying, yeah, talking about um, recovery from, again, race to the castle. So um, did it over two days and you know enjoyed it we had horrendous weather i say horrendous it was rain it was mist it was wind um it wasn't wasn't great weather you didn't get the views on day one and then on the the, the sunday for those who are doing it every two days they had some some better weather um but um stephanie's saying here that uh, next ultra is the three locks and was thinking about maybe taking three weeks rest before then restarting training. So is that enough rest or is that maybe kind of too much? So let's kind of explore that one in a bit as well. Um, this one from Becky uh, is doing Race to the Stones. So that's coming up in a couple of weeks' time and doing the, the day two, the 50km, the second 50km. But then following up with that to then move on to do the Berlin Marathon at the end of September. So again, got to bounce back from a 50km race to then get ready for a marathon. Um, and again, Emma here from the, uh, the patrons team was racing in the Pyrenees at the weekend. Uh, so some good hills, some good elevation, but the quads are trashed from all those descending. So again, we can maybe have a think about some of the technique elements of um, downhill running and the impact on our quads and maybe recovering from that. Again, my quads uh, on, well, Sunday particularly, but Monday as well, were pretty trashed. And yet there weren't really that many hills um, relatively on Race of the Castle. So we can still get pretty slammed um, on flatter courses as well. I think for me, it was just there was more road side of things. So let's go, go back to um, that first question, which is you know, how much time do we need to recover after a race before we can then think about training again. It does depend somewhat on, again, the sort of intensity that you've raced at and what your experience is. So there is a, an old saying that for every mile you've raced, you need a day's recovery. And that stands up to a certain extent. Um, but of course, if we're doing uh, sort of ultra marathons, these, these long races, well, you'd never be training because you're you're completely resting until your next race comes along. So that doesn't quite add up. I think when we're talking about shorter distance races, so our sort of 10Ks, half marathons, maybe up to the marathon, we can fairly well predict how much recovery time we're going to need. Um, I've worked with Olympic marathon runners who, after a key major event, so maybe one of the world majors, whether it's Commonwealth Games, Olympic Games, after those races they will then schedule two weeks of no running at all and then they'll restart the training but they are absolutely burying themselves over that distance um, 
And whether that full two weeks off is actually a good thing or not is maybe debatable. But some of that is psychology, some of it's emotional. You know, you've just invested a huge amount of time into a particular race and you need to then reinvest that time elsewhere with your loved ones, your family, your friends, um, as well as just mentally decompressing from, from that race. Um, again, with the ultra marathons and the trail marathons, what I find with my athletes and with myself is that every race is different. I've raced 100k and within a few days I'm back out training again. Um, this week I'm, I'm feeling good today, Wednesday, but I'm not planning on running this week. I'm just riding my bike most days this week. Um, and that's just going to keep my legs ticking over, but without that additional stress. If you've pushed yourself to the limit and you know, you've given yourself a lot of cardiac stress, then your heart muscle might need a lot longer to recover. Your nervous system might need a lot longer to recover. Your hormonal system might need a lot longer to recover. I've certainly had races, um, you know, less duration than what I did at the weekend. Um, and yet I've taken months to recover um, just due to maybe severe dehydration in that race. Um, and other times you feel like you're coming back, you feel like you can get back to training and then that injury happens. So a good rule of thumb is when you think you're ready to start training again, wait a bit longer, give it another day or two and just check that you are actually feeling good and you are ready to go again. So, so that's a, a good rule of thumb. So when, whenever one of my athletes says to me, right, I'm feeling good after the race, I've, I mean, I had a good few days off or I've had a good week off, I'm, I'm ready to train again, I will generally make them wait just that little bit longer just to be on the safe side. Um, because it is often that you, you're feeling good, you're full of adrenaline, um, you're still high from the race and you, you're ready to push again. But actually, that's what will then tip you over the edge. And that's when we get ill, that's when we get injured. So, like I say, good rule of thumb, take it steady, give it a little bit longer. But if we go back to this idea here is, you know, planning three weeks of rest. Well, what we've got to remember is rest is, is essentially detraining. So you've had a massive training stimulus from this race that you've done, whether it's 50K, 100K, whatever it's going to be. Um, if you then don't do anything for three weeks, we're then losing fitness before we then restart training again. Now, we may need that. Um, one of my guys, Tom Hollins, has just done the, a complete circuit of the weight noise. So a crazy distance, crazy amount of elevation. Um, it's out there for um, just under seven days. Um, and you know needs a long time off so we've given him a good three weeks of just basically don't do anything that's a bit of a unique case whereas for most of us it might be one or two weeks so maybe the first week is just be active you don't you're not training so for example this week i am just sitting on the bike i'm turning my legs over uh, i'm just watching youtube netflix whatever i'm not training i'm just going flat rides no effort barely turning the pedals over, but just keeping moving, taking the dog for a walk, uh, just keeping moving. And then the week after, it might be a case of you, you kind of go on feel. So you go out there, it might be an easy jog, and you just listen to your body. You don't pay attention to your heart rate. You don't try and run to pace. You just run on feel. Same as maybe going on the bike. You might sort of do a few little efforts, but it's purely on feel, and it's not structured training. And then the third week is maybe then you're back into... Uh, more formal structured training so that might be a way of doing it 
So you've had that little bit of recovery that first week, you kind of maintenance transition phase, just doing something but not really training. And then we start to lift it back up again into a more formal training block after sort of two to three weeks. So rather than three weeks of nothing, I encourage you to keep active, do something, you know, it might even be just go and have a round of golf or just go for a nice walk, go and play tennis, go climbing, go and do something, be active, but not training, and then slowly build back up from there. So that's the kind of the way I would sort of structure it from there. Um, so again, if we're then thinking about sort of transitioning from that uh, 50k back into the racing the marathon, so sort of 42k, then it's thinking about you've had that sort of transition period and then slotting back into a more formal marathon phase um, and picking up essentially where your training plan would take you through to uh, that, that, that marathon at the end of it. So however many weeks that's going to be, uh, it's going to be what about a sort of end of September, that's going to be, a, if I do the maths in my head, sort of maybe nine weeks of, of training. So a couple of cycles of maybe three weeks build off, three weeks build, taper uh, and into the race from there. So that might be a good way of doing it. Um, and regarding the the comment here about sort of minimising the damage to the, the quads, a lot of that does come down to actually descending technique. So making sure what you're not doing is, is breaking too much on those downhills. So not leaning back, not slamming your, your heels into the descents, building up that confidence to lean forward, pick your feet up and just spin those legs super quick. Um, I put a, a video up on my personal YouTube channel on what I call dancing descent, uh, which I think I may have actually picked up off uh, the great Killian Journey, um, which is essentially learning how to, to move and control your body uh, on some of those descents and building up your confidence so that you can run downhill a little bit faster and not be putting the brakes on all the time, that eccentric load and damaging your legs. Something which may help, and the, the evidence base for this is pretty limited, but it's things like compression gear. So using, you know, if you do find that your quads get really battered, is those sort of really tight uh, compression shorts or, or quad guards, um, or potentially your calf guards for your calves. They need to be tight though. Um, so that potentially limits the vibration of those muscles and potentially limits some of the uh, additional stress on those muscles. So that's something to maybe try. Like I say, the evidence base for it is pretty pretty slim to, to non-existent, but there's a lot of empirical evidence, a lot of people who report that it, it, that it helps. So it's one of those where, yeah, I, I had calf guards on my, my calves when I was racing this weekend, uh, and my calves weren't really too bad. It was, it was just my quads that were particularly sore. Um, so, yeah, something to consider there. That's, uh, but I think really from your descending point of view, it's the uh, trying to work on your technique. So if we're going to move on then to um, the kind of initial recovery after your your racing or particularly your hard training session. But what we've got to ask the question, though, is why are you trying to minimize the stress of that race or that training session? What is that purpose of recovery? So, you know, I've got a, a reasonable gap now between the, the race at the weekend to my next race, hopefully in September. So I was quite happy to be really sore and struggling to get down the stairs because my body will absorb that training stress and stimulus and become stronger for it. All of these kind of recovery techniques that we can put into place 
will somewhat lessen the, the training stimulus. Now, if you've got races quite close together, then maybe, yes, we do want to limit that uh, stress on the body uh, and, and accept we'll be limiting the training stimulus and the response we'll get from that. But there's some things that are the sort of the big rocks, the, the key things we want to get right. And one of the first things is really nailing your nutrition. This is a great little infographic by Jan Lubo. Uh, if you don't follow him on social media, I would thoroughly encourage you to. Uh, he's brilliant at summarising recent research papers into infographic form. So have a look at a lot of the stuff there. Um, and this is just uh, one that's it's done the rounds a number of times. I think references back in 2016 there. But think about what we actually drink to rehydrate after maybe a hard training session after a race. Um, but things like, you know, do you need complex uh, recovery drinks, protein drinks, things like that? Or, as is proven here, milk is as good as, if not better, than all the processed stuff that you can get. So provided you're not vegan, finishing a race, finishing a training session, pint of milk, going to make a big difference to your rehydration and you're getting a bit of protein in there at the same time. Then beyond that, we can start bringing in sort of other tools. But I think before that is just thinking about sleep. So it's making sure that you're getting enough sleep both into the race, but then afterwards, you've got to make sure that you're giving yourself sufficient sleep. Sleep is when we do our fixing. Sleep is when our bodies repair themselves. So you've got to make sure you, you sort your life out for those days and, and maybe even sort of week after the race that you can be getting those early nights. You can get be getting some good sleep. That's when you're going to recover nutrition just good quality nutrition get the protein on board get the healthy fats on board get that carbohydrate back on board so you've got to be thinking about having some some whether it is a rehydration or a protein drink fairly soon after the race so yeah as soon as i crossed that finish line i got my my bag out the the tent went into the the sort of canteen tent uh yeah got the um, the sort of burgers and chips and everything else that they were handing out great uh but then i also had a recovery shake ready waiting for me so that was straight down my neck uh before I then even went off and, and had a shower and got myself cleaned up so it's getting that nutrition straight on board as soon as you finish that race that's what's going to help start sorting you out um and then yes okay there are then some additional tools uh let's see if this is going to work um, there we go. So this is uh, my friend Joe was, was filming me here. So we just finished doing the Abraham's tea round uh, or the George Fisher's tea round that uh, is now known as up in the Lake District. Got back to the car and I grabbed my massage hammer and started working on my, my legs just to loosen it off there. Uh, and in fact, if I scroll back to the beginning of that, you can see I've got my recovery shake there as soon as I've got back to the car from finishing that. So it's having these, these things ready and, and prepared. Uh, for your immediate post-training session or post-race recovery. And then, yeah, there are some other funky things you can add in. So I use uh, the Compex uh, electrical stimulators as well. And you know, again, this week, I've been sat on the sofa, chilling out, not training, but got the Compex on my, on my legs, just giving it that extra little bit of a massage, just keeping things moving, keeping the blood flow moving, keeping the muscle tissues moving. So these things are some additional tools that you can bring in. Uh, yes, I've got a relationship with Compex. Uh, there are other brands and other tools out there. So those are some of the things that we can bring into play. Now, the other thing is then monitoring how you're recovering. So 
I said about every race and every person is going to be different as to how they respond and how do you know how well you are responding and, and when you are ready to start training again. So something else that I use myself and with my athletes is HRV, so heart rate variability. Uh, and this is a screenshot from my HRV reading from the day after the race. And surprise, surprise, uh, thankfully, it told me, take it easy today. Uh, my heart rate wasn't actually as, as raised as I was expecting it to be, but there was certainly an up, uh, uptick in my uh, heart rate variability, which is unsurprisingly showing that there is a sign of stress. Um, so if I then sort of show you a kind of graph of where we're at now, uh, on the, the right hand side of the screen as you're looking at it, uh, I don't think it's mirrored this screen, but you can see that my HRV is still above my normal limits, so I'm not ready to start training again. But just simply monitoring your morning waking rest rate, uh, waking heart rate, will give you an indication about how recovered you are. If your heart rate is higher, it hasn't come back down to its normal baseline levels, then the chances are you're not recovered. Your body is still under stress. Take it steady. Take it easy. Take another rest day, whatever it needs to be. But as soon as that resting heart rate has come back down to your normal levels, or if you're using things like HRV for training uh, and monitoring that heart rate variability, then again, that's going to give you more data, more information to help inform your decision making about when I'm ready to restart training again. So some other things that you can be thinking about is if you're if you've got races being quite quick succession um, and you've got to really maximize that recovery after a race, then yes there are certainly a few things we can do. But as I said before, it's acknowledging that uh, any of these things we're putting into place are going to maybe uh, limit the training stimulus you're getting from that. But that recovery starts as soon as you're crossing that finish line. So as soon as you cross the line, um, you've got to start rehydrating. So it's getting your, your drink on board, maybe getting some salts and some sodiums back on board, getting your carbohydrate on board, and then start getting some protein on board and really trying to do that as quickly as possible. Now, on this infographic I've got up here, um, uh, the talk is that we have this sort of 15-minute window after the race. Now, there has actually been some research a little bit more recently. I possibly need to update this infographic, showing that actually it doesn't necessarily need to be that, that 15 minutes, um, but really as soon as possible uh, is the idea. And then on your way to your accommodation is, is get out of your, your, your dirty clothing, out of your sweaty clothing, get into maybe some compression gear. So compression socks, um, there's all the inflatable boots that you can get now, the kind of pneumatic boots to again stop the pooling of that blood into your, your lower legs. Um, if you're back in, at the hotel you're staying at or back home, if you've got a race back home the next day, is getting those legs elevated. And this is where other things like the sort of complex can come into play just to keep that circulation going, keep the tissues moving without causing too much stress. And then you're getting into your dinner, then you get your main meal back in. Um, and again, it's, you know, it's avoiding things like going for the, bit, the alcohol, the beers, the wines, um, things like that, because that is going to interrupt your sleep and it's the sleep which is crucial for that recovery. Then we can bring in things like um, cold. So do you take a cold bath? doesn't have to be an ice bath. Um, for this kind of recovery, which is more of a neural recovery, then it just needs to be water which is 
uh, maybe around sort of 15 degrees-ish, um, or it could even just be a very cold shower and just put the cold water on your legs. So you don't need to subject yourself to an ice bath, you're just being cruel to yourself for the sake of it. Just a cold bath is enough just to calm that nervous system down. It's not doing anything to inflammation. The old idea was that it would be reducing the inflammation in, in the muscles. That doesn't really happen. Um, but it is. it does definitely just calm that nervous system down, which makes your legs feel better. And if they feel better, then you'll feel better the next day. Um, then it's also worth doing some mindfulness, some meditation techniques. Just calm the brain down as well. So, you know, you've been hyped up for that race. You need to bring yourself back down again. And that will then help you get the quality sleep that you need to help you with your recovery. Some other things to consider um, is with sort of high stress from racing, there is then a knock-on effect uh, in terms of potential infections and getting ill, sort of upper respiratory infections, things like that. And it has been shown that sort of um, things like tart, cherry juice, can reduce that risk of picking up a, an infection. So, you know, the reducing that sort of systemic inflammation through those type of techniques, that might be beneficial. So that's something else just to consider. Um, and then something else which I give my athletes is a bit of a kind of menu because we've all got our sort of favourite ways of um, really trying to improve that recovery. And it's just how much time you can really allocate to it. So this is a, a kind of recovery menu that you can pick certain things from that are going to work for you um, and will build up to overall give you a good score so we're aiming about 150 points here which will improve your overall recovery and the big one up there is sleep sleeping at least eight hours a night nail that one and you're, you're a third of the way there already if you can get an extra power nap in the middle of the day then again that will also help massively so you know the main one is just nail that sleep it's not complicated. You don't need to get all the fancy tools. If you get the sleep right, you get the nutrition right, you're most of the way there. Um, then it's just keep moving. So don't just sit still. Don't just seize up. Um, so the earlier comment there regarding do I just rest for, for a few weeks? No, keep moving. Keep those muscles moving. You might not like it in those first few minutes, the first five, ten minutes uh, of doing something, but you'll feel a lot better for it later on. Then there's things like getting some massage, whether it's hands-on massage from the therapist, whether it's getting on a foam roller, um, or getting, uh, where's mine out, the, the video I showed you before, or getting the, the massage guns on. Um, it's all just kind of calming that nervous system down, getting those muscles moving, getting the tissues moving. Again, there's nothing majorly fancy and, and special but it does make a difference. Research, you'll, you'll read research out there that's saying that, you know, massage doesn't do anything for recovery, but it makes people feel better. If they feel better, they move better. And if they move better, they're going to recover better. That's what it's all about. Stretching, again, depends on your personal preference. If you like stretching, stretch. If you find that stretching doesn't work for you, then fine, don't stretch, do something different instead. Um, and then again, as, as I mentioned at the bottom there, is the... Um, the nutrition so making sure you get good nutrition on board make sure you get the um, hydration on board and then you're pretty much good to go um okay i see there's a few comments coming through on um on the youtube itself uh john gardner hi i think you're a, a pretty regular and kelly bennett um uh, benedetti sorry uh, so kelly is saying you just did your first uh, in fact can i 
there a way that I can stick this on? Uh, there we go. Oh, there we go. So I, I am still a, a newbie at this. Claire gave me a, a brief introduction on how this all works, but it was uh, quite some time ago now. So Kelly said, just on uh, second 50k, took a week off and then did an easy run uh, and had knee pain, never had before. Um, is that typical? So, yeah, this kind of goes back to what I was saying uh, earlier on, is that the you can often feel really quite good. You think you're ready to go back to training. Um, you're walking around and your body feels okay. And then you try and run and, no, nah, not there. Which is where I think sort of maybe future reference is when you think you're ready to go for an easy run, or wait another day. Or do just a very easy run, walk, run, walk. A really short session. And then we evaluate, how do I now feel after that? So it may well be that, you know, your tissues uh, were still not particularly happy with you, you know, still um, loaded and sort of potentially overloaded and, and quite stressed. And then they were coping with walking around and, and that was okay. But the extra load of running was just that bit too much. So I wouldn't panic. I would just take it steady, let that pain settle. Um, and if it doesn't settle, then maybe get in touch and we can try and help you out uh, or go and see a, a local physio that can help you out as well. But it's not uncommon, which is why I'm saying, you know, it'd be really good just to get in that habit of when you feel like you're ready to train again, take an extra day. Um, so I think John's got a question here. There we go. So advice on uh, best care for sensitive Achilles tendon. Um, so the main thing there is looking at your your loading um, in terms of, you know, you're running 35 miles a week, but how is that then built up over the course of the week? Are you just doing a massive chunk at the weekend and very little in the middle? So you've got more than 50% of your volume as your long run, or is it more evenly spread out? It's looking at what's the underlying strength and tissue capacity of your tendon so are you doing enough strength training um, i can't quite see from your profile picture but if you're over the age of 20 or over the age of 30 then strength training needs to be a, a key part of your training plan um, and that's about building up um, your maybe sort of doing isometrics so very heavy isometrics as well as doing our so isometric static contractions. So maybe that's on a leg press machine in the gym or under the squat rack, or if it's just at home, get a rucksack, fill it with bottles of water, fill it with books, fill it with bricks, whatever you need to do, on the, the bottom step of your stairs, and you just hold it. So you just go up and you just hold, taking that load. And then also doing some uh, eccentrics as well, so just slowly up and down. And then building in even some plyometrics, so skipping, jumping, things like that. Uh, and Claire and I did a video way back in sort of early initial lockdown, I think it was, on skipping and bounding drills for, for runners. So have a look back on her YouTube channel for, for early on last summer. Um, so that's the kind of first thing. Then it might be a case of looking at, you know, your footwear. So are your shoes rubbing that Achilles at all? Um, are there, is there anything else which is rubbing and irritating it? Have you got sufficient uh, mobility in the foot and the ankle? Do you need to do some extra stretching or some mobility exercises? So there's lots of different things that need to sort of feed into it here. Um, but that sort of care for a, a sensitive Achilles would be that you want to be... Um, 
yeah, making sure that you're doing sufficient strength training to, to give you that foundational support and, and capacity within your tissues to take the load of your running. And then looking at how you're spreading your training out over the course of the, the weeks um, and, and how you're building that up. And are you giving yourself recovery periods in there as well? So hopefully that sort of answers your question there. Um, let's have a look. What else is coming through there? Uh, oh, you're 60. So, yeah, over, a little bit more over the age of 20 and 30. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Strength training needs to be a, you know, a massive part of your overall training. And, you know, even if you're not a gym bunny, you're not sort of going to the gym on a regular basis, there's ways that we can build this into normal everyday life. It might just be that you get in the habit of, you know, in the morning, you make your brew and you stand on one leg on tiptoes and you hold it steady. Uh, same with when you're brushing your teeth. So up on tiptoes, brushing your teeth and you hold it still. You do your isometrics that way. Um, or it might be, you know, a lot of, you know, if you're maybe just taking a phone call or you're just um, maybe surfing social media or watching, watching Claire's um, YouTube uh, videos on your, your phone or your tablet, do it on the bottom step of the stairs, toes on the stairs, and slowly up and down. Um, and you know, some of these videos on, on YouTube are really quite short, a few minutes at a time. If you're just doing a couple of minutes on, on each leg, it's done in six minutes. So maybe some of Claire's, you know, nice short videos, and you can just watch them whilst doing your heel raises. There was a, a paper actually came out, was it even this week or last week, which was comparing micro dosing of strength training compared to our more traditional big blocks of strength training in the gym. And what they showed was actually that micro dosing, just you know, a few minutes here and there over the course of a day and over the course of the week was just as effective as going and doing a full hour in the gym three times a week. So micro dosing that strength training, building it into everyday life is effective. It does build up. So it's, it's worth doing. Um, so that would be the way that I would build it in. Hopefully that answers your question there, John. Um, is there anything else coming through on the chat there? So that was John's question on the Achilles, uh, the knee pain. Kelly, is that sort of giving you some ideas on your, your knee pain? Um, I would just really back off again, take it steady, you know, maybe kind of switch it up, maybe just ride a bike, go for a swim, uh, just keep moving, but let that knee just calm down. If it feels okay starting to just go out and do some walks, then maybe go and do some run walks and just start to slowly, slowly build it back in. It might be walk for a few minutes, run for, for a minute. Walk for a few minutes, run for a minute. Do that for half an hour or so, knee feels okay. You build it up and run for a few minutes, walk for a bit, run for two minutes, walk for a bit. Next time three, next time four, five, so on and so forth. You get the idea and just ease yourself back into it. Um... John's asking who is the author of the the paper, um, the strength paper. No, it wasn't Keith. Oh, was it Keith Barr? Oh, you're testing me now. I'm going to have to come back and uh, put something in the YouTube comments later on just to back that up. Um, I'm not going to disappear off and try and do a, a quick Google search whilst we're live. Um, but yeah, okay. Any other questions coming through on YouTube there? No. Okay. So hopefully that's just giving you some some ideas on your recovery. 
after racing or after maybe uh, particularly hard training sessions and giving you an idea of where you can then start to transition back into a normal training session and back into maybe targeting another race again. So whether that race is in the very near future and you want to really minimize the damage from that uh, race or whether it's a bit further down the line and you're prepared to uh, accept a little bit of soreness because you're going to get a training stimulus from that and you're going to get the benefit from that hard race or that very hard training session. Okay, thanks very much guys. Um, I think there's a, a few review, review, um, product reviews that I've done for Claire that are in the pipeline, so they should be coming out in the not too distant future. Um, I know there's more of these live sessions with Vicky and Marcus and Jen, so keep an eye out for those. If you want to ask me any questions, you can get me either um, via the Patreon group on Facebook uh, or you can contact me direct my social media handles at the, the top there. So uh, Instagram's the, the easiest one to, to find me on. Uh, or yes, you can follow me on Strava. Okay, thanks very much, guys. Have a good evening and I'll see you next time. See you later. Hi, it's Claire here. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. These live chats take place every Wednesday evening at 6.30pm UK time on World Ginger Running YouTube channel. And the link is in the show notes. I just wanted to let you know that you can find this and loads more advice and inspiration and gear tests all about trail and ultra running on my YouTube channel, Wild Ginger Running. There are training tips, advice from elite athletes, top coaches, nutritious recipes, key exercises, injury prevention information, and tons of trail kit reviewed from running packs to poles, waterproofs to head torches, GPS watches, and shoes, 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 and did I mention shoes? I've been going for a few years now, so there's a huge archive of content to help you out with your trail and ultra running. To quickly and easily find the information you need, simply type your query into the Google search box and then write wild ginger running after it. Then Google will show you whatever blog posts or films I have on that topic. Give it a try. And if you appreciate listening and all the information that I share on YouTube, you're also very welcome to support me on Patreon, which gets you some additional excellent perks and the chance to win some awesome prizes. For as little as the price of a cup of coffee every month, patrons get discounts, extra films, access to the exclusive Facebook and Strava groups, the chance to ask questions to every live chat guest, plus automatic entry into my monthly competition to win £400 worth of trail and ultra running gear. There are only about 150 patrons, so the odds on a win are way better than the lottery. Interested? Find me at patreon.com slash wildgingerrunning. Thanks for listening, guys. Have fun, enjoy your run, and I'll see you on the trails. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.